Hi, I'm Sam Candy. Welcome to Sustain Talks. Today, I'm joined by Toby Alusikin. Toby is a sustainability consultant with MACE, a STEM ambassador. He has a PhD in energy and sustainability and a master's degree in offshore and ocean technology with subsea engineering and so much more. I am so excited to have you here today, Toby. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate this. Looking forward to it. So that's a brief introduction, but I really want to hear about your journey, how, I mean, you've studied so much and yeah, tell us more about you and how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah, I've probably spent too much time in school. Um, it's, it's the way I think about it now. Uh, but I think I started in chemical engineering um, as my first degree. So I did chemical engineering, um, partly because I was told to. Uh, it just seemed like you know, what I was supposed to do, either engineering or um, medicine or law. You know, so I did chemical engineering. And I think my first introduction to the environment and like, sustainability in general was in my final year where I had to focus on a part of chemical engineering. And, and what I focused on was environmental engineering. I did my thesis on, on my project, not, not to say thesis, I did my project on um, noise pollution at the time. Uh, yeah, and following that, I went into environmental consulting uh, where I worked a lot on noise pollution, air pollution, uh, but primarily on environmental impact assessments uh, for capital projects in Lagos, Nigeria. I worked for a company called Cares Group, um, which is still going strong today. The, the SME in Nigeria, one of the very few, I think, that are really you know, fighting the good fight uh, for the environment. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they did a good job there. Um, and so I decided to you know, come to the UK for my master's. Uh, I, I did offshore and ocean technology, as you mentioned. Um, and I really looked to focus on the offshore environment so offshore oil and gas offshore wind um, and it's kind of what I did my master's afterwards I got a scholarship for a PhD um, which I decided to take up because to be honest I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do and I just had this opportunity to still stay in the UK um, and to continue doing something that I kind of liked so to focus a little bit more on offshore energy systems um, and I think it was during my PhD that things started coming into focus, you know. So I, during my PhD, I started, first of all, on offshore oil and gas systems, and then moved to wind energy at a time where it seemed to be really the focus of, of, the, of that time. So this, this is 2018, 2019. Um, wind energy at the time had become quite popular. Um, over the decade, uh, the levelized cost of energy had gone down significantly um, for renewable energy in general, but also for, for wind energy. And the level of investment in offshore wind especially was you know, starting to really, really creep up. You know, there was also a focus on technology development for floating offshore wind. So it's, it's another part of uh, offshore wind energy. So floating off to offshore wind um, you know, to provide a better opportunity for energy production uh, as opposed to fixed bottom offshore wind or um, wind energy in general. Uh, so there was, there was quite a bit of, of um, opportunity for research, uh, development, investment in offshore wind. And so I decided to really you know, focus on that and go into that. Um, and I, I finished my PhD. Um, I got a job as a researcher in a research consultancy. Um, 
And I actually wasn't doing anything in offshore wind, really. Um, I kind of liked what I was doing. Uh, and I liked it primarily because it gave me an opportunity to do something uh, on the other end of the energy value chain. So as opposed to energy production, I was looking at energy demand. And here I, I worked in a company called Trilateral Research. Uh, here I worked on energy efficiency in EU building stock. Um, and it was still research, but what we looked at was uh, basically looking at the um, the socioeconomic effects of you know, energy efficiency based renovations um, on EU buildings and seeing how you know th those wider benefits of energy efficiency can be um, really highlighted uh, and used as a basis for investment. And I think that really then um, set my focus primarily on you know, corporate sustainability. Um, so I decided to focus on the built environment um, since I'd already started doing some research on that. And then I, I moved to MACE, where I am now. Uh, MACE is a um, large, large uh, contractor. Uh, and they're pretty big in the built environment. Um, and so there's like, so many opportunities for sustainability in buildings uh, and the built environment in general. Uh, yeah. That's how I got to where I am today. Yeah. What a great opportunity and to take your experience into, you know, um, from energy and buildings and is probably one of the biggest challenges for companies today is how they can reduce their energy um, with what's going on in, in the world at the moment. It's uh, you couldn't be in a better position to help businesses. Um, but before we get into that a little bit further and obviously want to hear more about the offshore wind and I have many conversations about that and you know what it actually means so I'd really like to delve deeper into your knowledge and your research and expertise but um, tell, tell me a little bit about your view of sustainability and climate change and where we are today from your experience and studies. Um, so yeah I would say uh, I used to have this tunnel vision of what sustainability was. Um, it, it was primarily tailored to what I was always doing at the time. You know, so when I was working as an environmental consultant in Nigeria, um, I only viewed sustainability from the lens of what we did, which primarily was just um, environmental impact assessments for uh, a lot of large scale marine based projects. Um, so either pipeline uh, laying or um, developing, developing a key wall uh, things things of that nature uh, and so I you know, focused on sustainability primarily in the lens of what I was doing at the time but then uh, since working um, as a consultant you know, within the built environment I think uh, my point of view has changed quite a bit um, I've, I've just kind of gotten a more holistic understanding of what sustainability is um, it's not necessarily just um, looking at reducing emissions you know, it's um, it's it's more than that. It's looking at waste management, um, freshwater use, health and well-being, uh, sustainable farming, and a number of other things. Biodiversity is, is a is a big big part of sustainability, and you know, having that holistic point of view for me is quite important when it comes to um, what sustainability really means. Um, the 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 dictionary official definition um, seems to be you know making sure uh, that we're able to. Um, continue to develop without you know, affecting um, affecting the use the, affecting the planet essentially for future use um, but then I would I would you know, take a more um, a broader approach 
I would say a broader definition to sustainability to include all these different themes. Um, so looking at, like I mentioned, waste management, health and well-being, carbon uh, emission reduction, um, uh, add sustainable farming, you know, fresh water use and things like that. So having a more um, holistic point of view, I think, uh, to sustainability is very important. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And we've spoken before about, you know, you can't be a business that's talking about sustainability if you're not talking about the social responsibility side as well. And I think that that, you know, that that holistic approach is the way that every single business should should be looking at um, when they're looking at the sustainability. And that's where sort of the E and the S comes into the uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, I I absolutely absolutely agree. Um, and and that actually brings me to something else that, um, I started to really look into uh, during my time in research, and I've I've become quite passionate about, which is uh, the just transition. So we want to you know transition to a net zero society or to a more sustainable society. But you know, um, in many instances, they are parts of the world economy, or parts of the world essentially that are being left behind or that are being, um, used primarily used and not uh, not being compensated uh, in the right way you know in, in terms of moving to this more sustainable economy or more sustainable planet um, and it's important for everybody to be you know, taken along and that which is essentially the tenet of the just transition so making sure that everyone is able to have a fair chance you know in moving towards uh, towards a more sustainable environment if you will um, so like you mentioned that social side of things is, is extremely important and it's not just uh, about the environment so yeah yeah, yeah. Right. I think companies like Mace actually, um, certainly in construction, are very supportive of the communities that they work in. And that yes. um, social side is a real key part of your business. I know from speaking to other construction businesses that, you know, when it comes to that uh, supporting communities when you're building, and that's really very much a decision that is made in looking at um, who you employ from the areas that you work in and the um, diversity and inclusion and uh, the the mental health and well-being of the people that that are working on the project. So, um, so yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, I know that that's a key part. Um, you you obviously have a lot of experience and um have studied energy um i obviously we're we're in such a big energy crisis right now what are your you know it's hard for you, to, you know can you fix it what do you think the um what do you uh, think the answers are like uh yeah that's 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 a really good question. Um, I, not that anyone is is listening, uh, to my opinion, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, except except from you, yes. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Um, so the energy crisis is such a hot hot topic at the moment. Um, and rightly so. Uh, energy is essentially life. You know, um, the world we live in today is so dependent on our energy. Um, the, the standard of living that we have. You know, having uh, actual like electricity, you know, for us to see, uh, to plug our devices, our electronics, uh, digital. The focus on digital now um, is, is so immense, and so energy is central to all of that. And uh, it's understandable that when there's a bit of a threat to that, um, it, it becomes it becomes such an issue uh, as as we've got it now. Um, in in a crisis, I think people look to uh, their leaders to provide solutions at that time. Um, when they need it and you know this crisis is showing that you know we're not it doesn't seem like we're as far along in the clean energy revolution as 
we would want to be. Um, you know, even though the UK is is a world leader, not just in the, not just in Europe, but a world leader in um, wind energy, uh, offshore wind energy, especially. I, I think we have the uh, second highest installed capacity in the world behind China. Um, so the UK is is a large uh, large world leader in terms of wind energy. Uh, it still doesn't help much, you know, given that a lot of the installed capacity is not yet connected to the grid. And um, there's the issue of just availability in, in terms of the base load um, for these uh, energy supply sources, so wind and solar. Um, there's the, the main primary issue with those is, you know, when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining, you know, what source or sources of energy are we using? You know, are, are we still able to use that? And the storage side of things for wind and solar isn't as developed as we would like. And so those things are not, uh, are not reliable enough so that when something like this, where there's a um, cost of living crisis or like an inflation issue uh, at the moment where you know, energy prices are so high and then there is the um, unfortunate Russian invasion of Ukraine that's you know, putting another shock on uh, natural gas prices um, in, in, a, in a position where we're basically supposed to be um, self-reliant, uh, especially on the amount of renewable energy that we've managed to develop, uh, we're not in that position because you know the renewable energy that we, that we managed to get isn't able to supply uh, the base demand that is needed you know, to power that all the homes and businesses within the UK. Um, in terms of a solution, uh, to be honest, I, I'm I'm not really sure. I, I think the biggest challenge now is expectation management, um, because on the one side you've got the clean energy skeptics who are you know, just talking about how you know how now there's uh, it, it's obvious now that you know clean energy doesn't seem to make sense and you know, the investment in clean energy uh, was always a pipe dream and, and all that and then you've got um, the climate revolutionaries who are you know, mentioning how you know if we had focused a lot more on clean energy uh, right from the get-go we'd probably be farther along now and we wouldn't be in this situation um, and you know, the challenge then becomes I think uh, expectation management and you know, trying to marry uh, those two sides, you know, because just realistically, um, it, it just wouldn't be possible for for one of those two sides to uh, to to be the primary focus, especially for governments, uh, given that you know, they have to uh, they have actually have to govern both sides of this of, of this divide, you know. So, um, I think the primary thing would be um, educating people uh, to to help them understand what actually is the cause of this crisis. Um, and also expectation management in, in terms of um, what we can expect to achieve in terms of clean energy, maybe over the past, over the next decade, um, and juxtaposing that with um, how much we want to affect our current standard of living. Mm -hmm. um, because if we want to continue to pay low prices for energy, um, it's, it's going to be difficult to do that with uh, the issues that we have currently with wind and solar. And so, you know, solutions like nuclear energy, which you know, seems to be coming uh, becoming more popular now, uh, solutions like nuclear energy, which is low emissions, is safe, um, and is quite reliable. You know, it seems to be you know, quite popular at the moment. Uh, and I would say the first step would be trying to slow down the shutdowns of our existing nuclear reactors, um, and seeing if um, if it would be possible to ramp up development of a few more just to make sure that there is some stability um, and 
upon that upon that stability, we can then build uh, the uh, wind and solar. Uh, build upon those, build the storage capacity uh, of, of storage development for those energy sources to make sure that you know we're able to use that when wind isn't blowing, sun isn't shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's so many challenges, but for businesses um, that need to, you know, they need to reduce their energy. They have targets to get to net zero. They need to switch to renewables to be able to do that as well. Um, like, let's talk a little bit about net zero, because I, I made a comment the other week, I uh, posted about how, um, you know, we talk about getting to net zero by 2050, but where you might not have the CEO in the company in five years time. So, um, you know, setting long term goals are, you, companies aren't going to keep to them. I mean, you, you I hope probably seen um the government have been taken to court for their net zero claims and that they've they've not um you know they've not been founded they they are achievable targets and I think it's really important that we set um measurable targets and scientific targets science-based targets but what's the point of setting these targets if they're if they're not reachable and they don't stand up to time, so what what are your views on net zero? Um, for me, I'm I'm more of a glass half full person, and uh, I kind of live by the saying: if you if you reach for the stars, if you fall, um, you land on the clouds. Uh, that's that's kind of the I idea. Love that. Um, yeah. So you yeah, you set stretch targets, not necessarily because you can achieve them. But because the attempt of of achieving them definitely does yield progress, and and for me that's it. Um, you know, people people like to um clown the uh, environmentalists, people who really push um for the betterment of the environment, people who actually go out and protest. People like to um clown these people, and I I don't because I I feel like um the needle somehow has to be moved forward, um however by however much, even if it's an inch. Um, the needle has to be moved forward, and understandably, sometimes um, the protests get in the way of you know, people doing their 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 day jobs, people living their lives. But then, if these people aren't screaming from the rooftops, if you know they aren't shouting about this, then no one is going to be talking about it, and you know we wouldn't see debates on it uh, in the House of uh, Parliament. We wouldn't see um, MPs talking about it. We wouldn't see policy being developed. Um, even even though it happens slowly, um, it still happens, and, and I. For me, that's that's the view that I take in terms of the net zero targets. Uh, we might not reach net zero by 2050. It, it is very possible. We might not keep um, temperature increase to 1.5 degrees centigrade uh, or Celsius rather by then. Uh, but at least we're attempting to do that. And in attempting to do that, we're leaving the planet in a better place than we have it now, uh, even if we don't get to that point or if, even if we don't get to that target. Um, that's that's my own take on that's it. a really interesting take on it and i i have to say i've never heard somebody's take on it like that and i think it's an like to say well if you have a goal like that and you get to there it's better than having a goal like that and only getting to there so yeah, yeah. I, I i see that i think my worry is that people are setting the goals and then not putting the action in soon enough to even do the 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 goals are so far away that they're that it's we'll worry about it at a later stage and not focusing on what they really need to do in the next no. 
three, four years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think um, a solution to that, uh, or something we can do about that essentially is uh, maybe setting more short-term targets. Uh, we have this target that seems to be a long ways away. 2050, I will be in my 60s. You know, and so it, it just seems like it's, it's, it's so far away and, you know, why why bother, you know? But then um, I think it's important for organizations like the United Nations, um, Science Space Target Institute, and, and a lot of these respected organizations that you know, come out with these targets and um, advice on how to how to reach these targets, um, if they're able to also come out with more short-term targets as well for um, organizations, businesses, countries, cities, uh, if they're able to come up with targets um, in the short term as well as long term, just so that um, governments who are in power now uh, or you know, C-suite executives who uh, currently hold the, the reins of power within organizations so that they have something that they're actually looking to achieve you know, within the context of their own tenure. Uh, and not something where you know I'm, where, where they're where they're basically saying, "All right, I'm just gonna um, sit and wait, and whoever's gonna come in next is, is gonna worry about this 2050 target." So, in, in that case, um, for me, I would call on these institutions to to set uh, to help set uh, these short term targets. And it's not just them. Um, for example, Mace it, it has its own um, short term ish targets. We have uh, 2026. Uh, targets to save 1 million tons of climate carbon by 2026. Yeah, so we have this um, really large corporate target. Wow. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important, uh, especially for companies to you know, set those targets and um, craft and build the entire operations around achieving those targets. As Especially well. with their uh, clients, because that comes under scope three, right? Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. It does. So they and, can and help support their clients to do that. Yes, that's 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 the idea. That's the yeah. idea. So not just uh, scope one and scope two. In in terms of scope, scopes one and two, uh, we have uh, a target to achieve ten percent uh, carbon reduction year on year for our, that makes operations. So ten percent every year achieving. Um, carbon reduction for mace operations and then we have the one million tons of client carbon saved by 2026 uh in addition to that we have a, a target to, i think to achieve um, 500 hectares of uh biodiversity net gain by 2026 as well so these are targets that organizations can set and then you know um, build their operations around to be able to achieve those um so it's it's partly you know for governments and for organizations to, to set some of those short-term targets as well yeah so so part of your role then when you're working with your clients is you're finding helping them find solutions absolutely. yeah that's really good to hear really uh, absolutely yeah uh, it's it's built into our operations built into everything we do into incentive schemes um so yeah and, and i think as much as it's um if, if it is being um, really hammered into the operations, everyday operations, and you know, uh, working with clients. I, I think everyone within that organization will be able to internalize it, um, take it on as a target, as a personal target, uh, and help you know, the overall company achieve its goals. Yeah, that's that's interesting to hear as well because I think a lot of the challenges that companies face when they are looking at being more sustainable is how they communicate and engage with their employees so that everyone has the same message. 
So is that, I, I'm interested to hear a bit further, is that done through, um, like, you know, do they talk to you daily and send you articles and how, how does that work? Absolutely, yeah. So it's it's like a drum that's being beaten every day. Um, so we have we have um, specific corporate targets. So um, in terms of the environmental side of things, a target is to pursue a sustainable world, and pursuing a sustainable world involves um, you know looking at uh, reducing our own carbon emissions, saving client carbon, a million tons, you know, client carbon saved, uh, biodiversity. Uh, net gain increase as well in all of our projects. So uh, we aim to achieve a, a biodiversity net gain of 10% you know, with, with all of our projects. And this is something that's plastered into um, every single bid that we submit, um, every project that we do. Um, and we we do these things called um, masterclasses pretty much every week, uh, pursue a sustainable world masterclass. And so I personally, I'm part of the responsible business team. That's the sustainable sustainability team within the company. But the company is uh, about like seven or eight thousand strong, and so not everyone um, is in a position to really interface with sustainability as much as I am. And so, you know, these master classes are there for you know everyone within the organization really to understand what we mean by you know trying to save a million tons of carbon. Um, for clients by 2026, and uh, given we are a um, we're a construction company, there's it's a stretch target is is a really you know, big target, but there's ample opportunity to do that. Um, you know, given the the importance of the built environment, essentially to to carbon emissions. So, so yeah. Have, um, sorry, do you have outside speakers come in, and or is it like really people from within that are sharing their expertise from their findings and research? Um, so it's primarily people from within. Um, I, I don't, I don't gather that we've had many um, outside people come speak with us. Partly, particularly because our sustainability team is about 150 people strong, and so there's there's a lot of people, oh, a lot of expertise. Yeah. yeah. So there there are a lot of people who know their stuff and who can talk. Uh, about different topics so we, we have uh, people talk about uh, biodiversity carbon emissions uh, embodied carbon social value um, solar energy uh, renewable energy in general uh, there, there's several several things retrofits um, so there, there's several different things that you know we uh, as uh, as contractor and as consultants can use to save client carbon um, and uh, given the knowledge that we have in the team you know, we, we basically use that to try to educate the, the entire company um, in how to you know, achieve that goal. That, that sounds so good, especially, you know, when you think like also within business at the moment, companies are struggling to keep their employees and retention and attract new employees, actually to have that education and, you know, constant learning is the reason that you would want to stay in a company because you're just going to keep learning all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think just understanding that your company has such a commitment to this this uh, sustainability-based goals, you know, this, this is not just um, increasing our our um, profits. Like, as, as, as long as I've been there and I've been at Mesa for five months, I don't think I've heard us really talk about uh, the goal of increasing our profits or revenue. 
um, as much as I've heard us trying to achieve like um, saving one million tons of climate carbon. Um, so the yeah, so so that's that's another thing. If you know um, that your your organization is genuinely committed to improving the environment, you know, especially given the large footprint that our kind of work has on the environment, uh, in the working in the built environment, um, it's it's quite inspiring, and it does um, get one to buy into into that. Uh, vision if you will and uh, for me I have kind of yeah yeah that's really good to hear and uh, it, you know I know you're early on in your career with them but I, I, I think that um, it's it sounds like it's a great company to work for and I'm so glad that I had the opportunity you know when, when we met and started having a discussion and I wanted to do you know I, I like to do my podcast with lots of different people from different experiences in life and um but we we're almost at the end I've got a couple more questions that I really want to ask yeah, you sure. and and that yeah. is like to be more sustainable and from your experience and your knowledge and the consulting that you're doing what do you think that we all need to stop doing uh in terms of what we need to stop doing I think um we need to this, this might sound a little bit philosophical um, but I think we might need to to stop antagonizing um, each other um, I think there's there's this tendency to um, to criticize people who probably don't understand or who, who don't have as much knowledge um, on sustainability as uh, some people might have and so you know, helping to educate people um, uh, help people understand uh, what sustainability really means and how you know, within your context you can actually um, be more sustainable I think is quite important uh, on a practical basis uh, what we need to stop doing individually uh, I would say is to stop uh, consuming as much energy as, as we currently are um, a lot of people don't really like the only reason why people seem to have focused on energy use and energy consumption now is because it's really expensive um, energy energy use has been cheap cheapish for quite a long time now uh, and uh, now that it's expensive people are looking at ways to save energy but you know, this is something that we should be doing anyway um, so to essentially stop using as much uh, as much energy as we are uh, to stop um, if I can say stop flying as much stop um, uh it's it's hard to it's hard to find uh things saying find ways for people to stop doing certain things but you know, it's easier to maybe say people to, should start doing other things so instead of you know instead of um driving somewhere you know and I, i'm trying to look at individual uh individual effects now as opposed to more corporate um ideal so you know, instead of driving somewhere you, know, you look at more sustainable ways of transport um you can cycle using trains uh, a lot more trains trains are a lot more sustainable than than driving um and then in terms of energy use as well um energy efficiency is uh, the way the eu has put it is the first step uh towards um reducing energy use and the first step towards really reducing uh, carbon emissions at, at any level um just improving the efficiency of, of you know, in terms of how we use energy um how much output we get from you know one joule of, of energy that we use uh, energy efficiency is the first step I, I think especially within the home we spend so much time 
at home, um, uh, at least nowadays. And finding ways to be more energy efficient helps to reduce um, carbon emissions from, from our homes and our buildings. Buildings emit, um, I think it's about 35% of, uh, of, of emissions within the UK. Uh, and that's commercial and, and residential buildings. On the commercial sense uh, as well, um, looking at how to be more energy efficient, getting more energy efficient appliances, um, renovating our spaces uh, to become more efficient, uh, adding insulation to walls, roofs, um, improving windows, uh, just to ensure that you know we don't use as much you know, heating to heat our homes. So these are seemingly little things that we can do uh, that conserve quite a bit of energy and by so doing uh, help to become more sustainable but then it, it goes beyond that as well um, so there's there's something I'm working on now uh, and that's a, a waste management project and um, in working on this you know, it's helped me to really understand the effects of uh, of waste essentially and how much waste uh, we we emit as as a species you know um, so ensuring that waste is managed properly so not just um not just not just uh, diverted to to landfill not just sent to landfill but you know, ensuring that as much as can be recycled is recycled but then before you even get to that point to, to reduce the amount of waste that you generate first of all uh, because actually actually transporting the waste uh, and then dealing with the waste does um, release its own emissions and so if you if we're able to reduce our waste um, that helps as well um and then what else yeah it's become more sustainable like you've mentioned previously there's a social aspect of it as well so you know, ensuring that um, socially uh, we're able to um, contribute to the health and well-being of people around us uh, making sure our communities um, are better off you know, for us being in them uh, than, than without um, I, I think for me that's how I would say you know we can we can be more sustainable we can we can go on but in a nutshell that's that's, that, that's really it that's really, really, honestly, that's so insightful. I'm sure people are going to get takeaways from that. Um, I think we're more aware of the energy that we use than we have ever, ever been in our lifetimes. Uh, I recently got an electric meter. Um, I'm obsessed with it. With the lights, I turn on, I turn them off all the time. With yeah. every single electrical appliance, I have no plugs on. My, um, my usage is now at 0.01p. Per hour, per uh, hour. Yeah. So I've really, really managed yeah. to get it down, and I'm proud of that. But um, thank you for yeah. your time. This has been so good. I'm um, really glad we have the opportunity to talk, and there's been so many takeaways from it. And I look forward to um, speaking to you again. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. And um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate the opportunity to to be and talk with you. It's it's an honor, really. You no, know, given right. your stature. Within sustainability, uh, um, yeah, it, it is genuinely right. an honor. So thank you. Seeing your journey grow. So thanks, Sophie. Yeah. Have thank a good you. day. Thank you so much. You too. You too.